You may remember from like a former life called February that we went through Epiphany season and we looked at sections of the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5 through 7. But this was one of the sections we didn't talk about then and it's here in front of us today from Matthew 6. Some of the most kind and comforting words uh, from that sermon as Jesus encourages us not to worry. These will be the basis for the sermon today. We begin at verse 24 of chapter 6. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, or reap, or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The Gospel of the Lord. Dear friends in Christ, Jesus had a parable different from what we are seeing today where a sower goes out with his bag of seed, right? And he pulls it out and he scatters the seed. It's this wonderful, great seed to turn into a beautiful crop and he scatters it across the ground, right? And it falls in different kinds. And um, this, this parable talked about the good soil and the rocky soil and the thorns. And in one particular case, the seed is 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 there falling on this good ground and it begins to take root and it starts to grow and you see this little plant kind of peeking its head out right in the springtime you can picture something like that and it's a uh, it's coming up this this beautiful new life and he talks about what happens to this seed is that there's this thorns there are thorns that end up growing all around it and they end up choking that plant and the disciples are, are always kind of on our side of things where they, they say, Jesus, you kind of lost us with the thorns part. Can you please explain what the parable means, you know? And then Jesus walks them through what this is to see this beautiful plant grow but then get choked out by thorns. And do you know what it was? What the thorns were? Worry. 
So here's this beautiful plant that grows up, and what is that beautiful plant growing up out of? What is the soil? What is the water? It's the word, it's the word of God being scattered and put into your heart, put into your heart, put into your heart, put into my heart, and it takes this beautiful little root. like, that's who God is? God sends angels to guard and protect us. God feeds us every day. God blesses the sun and the moon and causes them to move and give us rest and work and gives us this world around us and this body that we get to live in a life and family we get to enjoy and blessing, 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 blessing. That's who God is. And then I sinned against him. And he did what? He sent his son. He sent his son. He said, I'll spare you, but I'm not going to spare my son. Here he is just for you, to save you. That's who God is. And this little plant just kind of pokes its head out of the ground, rich soil, lots of water, because that's a lot of promises, that's a lot of comfort, and this plant is just thriving. But Jesus is telling us how serious something like worry is by saying this can be like thorns, Big old thorns that you allow to grow all around that precious plant and it will take the life of faith right out of your chest. It will run through your mind and your heart. The story of, ooh, but what about this? Ooh, but what about this? Life has enough like walls you have to keep, you know, holding up on every side. And we could just spend forever talking about our last week, our last month, our last couple of months, and what is on our prayer life or our minds and our hearts for the next coming months, which we have no clue, but sure, it's got us all in a frenzy, doesn't it? There's so many different things we could think about. These thorns just threaten to come up and they take over the story. And they completely choke out the life that is blessed, the life that has being lived under a heavenly father and it's lost all away. I mention that because we can't stand here today and get too comfortable when Jesus says, do not worry. He has wonderful things to say, but we have to realize how serious a thing worry is. Worry and anxiety are anti-God. The scripture brings it up because it's a spiritual issue. And the scriptures are God's word to address spiritual things. We're not, I'll tell you what I won't do today. I'm not going to be a therapist and I'm not going to diagnose anxiety disorders that they say we have before, any, before February, before 2020, the stats were one in four people will deal with some mental health disorder in their lifetime. That's a big number, one in four. And then you have all this go down. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to play a therapist and diagnose anything today, but we can deal with what Jesus urges us to deal with, and that's something sinful. He wants us, he wants us to choke the life out of thorns so we can be a healthy plant that lives on his word. He's going to give us help to see our sin. So those are different kind of aspects of treating or talking to anxiety. Jesus has a way to tell you, do not worry as a faith matter, not a physical one or physiological one, right? And when he does that in this section, he is such a patient and wonderful teacher. I think you can almost sense that he 
he feels the weight of the anxiety kind of pressures that burden our hearts and daily lives. And he, what does he do? He, he pokes and prods and, and he kind of attacks this little thorny bush that is worry. And, but he does it gently as he deals in sort of a, a careful surgical way. Do you see how many questions, this is what I'm getting at, do you see how many questions Jesus asked in this section from Matthew's Gospel? And there are sort of like those leading questions, like, isn't it like this? You know, where you kind of, it's kind of like this, isn't it? And, and you're supposed to just nod your head. I do this in the, with the kids all the time. We've been podcasting for family devotions lately, and there's a lot of moments I find myself listening to this where I ask them a question and I'm really just getting their head nod because that's the kind of question that I'm asking. And Jesus is doing this with us. He says, you need to explore a topic, and I'll go there with you. Let me just ask some questions that take you to somewhere new, away from the frenzy and the rush and the crazy way we tend to address physical needs, food and drink, clothing, health and wealth in our lives, and just walk with me, and let's look at something differently together. Um, And he says, what's his first question? Isn't life more than food? And isn't the body more than clothes? And it's one of those arguments from something that's greater to a lesser. So you could say Jesus is saying to you, you're worried about food. Isn't life a bigger thing than food? Isn't the body a bigger thing than clothes. So if you're worried about, you know, these physical things, anxious about these physical things, can I help you deal with that thorn bush? <laughs> Do you realize that God has given a life first? This is how I would think about it. Go through like creation, for example, and think of how amazing the breath of life is compared to a loaf of bread. If you're going to worry about loaves of bread and what's in the cupboard, but you're taking for granted this daily breath and what God has given to you in, in the life that is so much more complicated. Isn't that so much more complicated? If you were to say to somebody, how easy is it to breathe life into someone? You know, I can't do that. And a lot of us are baking bread, right? So we're fixated on this little thing. He says, isn't life bigger than that? And isn't the body? But look, you have a life and you have a body. Aren't those super complex? And your heavenly Father has given you that. Of course he's going to give you food. Of course he's going to clothe you. Look, he's done the complex thing, the great thing. How will he not also do the lesser thing? Can you imagine God who worked his way to say the word and he made Adam and Eve, right? And he gets, he gets dirt and he, he, he breathes life into Adam and Adam became a living being, right? What an awesome act and miracle of God. And then does God say, oh, 
you've got a stomach in there that needs food. I don't know how to make food. I know how to make a brain and a mouth and internal organs and, and a whole cardiovascular system and nervous system and all these complex things, brain synapses and the eyeballs and ears and how to put them all together. But I don't know how to make a banana grow on a tree. I really can't feed this thing. What am I supposed to do? I don't know what to do for you, Adam. You need to worry about all this little stuff because I can breathe life into you, but can't do the loaf of bread. Sorry. <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? And Jesus is kind of touching. Can you just walk with me and kind of see a little bit of the absurdity and just get your heads nodding with Jesus a little bit through his lines of questions? So he says, your, your life is more than this, isn't it? Your life is more than this. And he says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. Have you ever seen a bird riding a tractor? Planting, planting seeds in the ground for food? You know, reaping a harvest and a big old hammer and putting some wood together to build something much more than a nest, but we got to stock up for the winter. You know, it's a little bit different, and yet your Heavenly Father feeds them. Your Heavenly Father feeds them. And he doesn't even say their heavenly father feeds them, though God did make the birds. He says it for you. Your, your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable to him than they? When we walk through the story of creation, there's another thing that we learn pretty easily and after God is like separating land and water and, and forming the earth and giving it an atmosphere and putting air into it and light and all that stuff is there, then comes the, the plants. You know, he's making plants. He's filling the land. He's, then he's populating it with all of these animals. So you kind of have your plant kingdom, your animal kingdom, and what comes last. And it's, it's right there in front of you when God kind of hits the a special narrative pause button and says, let us make man in our image. And it's repeated and repeated in the image of God he made man. Are we not the crown of his creation? And you get the sense that plants are one thing, animals are another thing, but people, are you not the apple of his eye? Are you not much more to your heavenly father than they? And at our worst, when Adam and Eve fell, when we sin at our worst, when you say, you should run from us, you should abandon us, you should turn an angry face, you should burn with anger and wrath at the sinful creatures that we are. Just look at the way my worry works. And I call myself a Christian. Let me tell you about the, the fears and the anxieties that are in my heart. Related to all these mundane things, all of these earthly things, as if I had no heavenly father. Are you not much more than they in the midst of the sin? What did God do? Did God say, well, I'm so glad I made birds and animals because now I'm going to give them more attention. I'm turning my eye away from the human race. He gave you his son. How much are you worth? You see the Son of God bleed anew. You see the gift. He's the gift. He's the gift to you. 
This is just a wonderful, comforting section. Jesus driving you home and saying, can you stand up on the mountaintop? Can you get on top of that apple of God's eye point that you have by the word of God to say, this is how I love you. This is how I care for you. If I'm taking care of the lesser, the animal kingdom, if I'm taking care of the plant kingdom, how much more will I take care of you? All of this is aimed at helping us with our two-master syndrome. We've got this way of thinking that you can give time to worry um, about these earthly things in your life, and you can kind of give our lips and hearts time to God. This whole thing was prefaced with the treasure of the heart and what we got to treasure in our God is a way that Jesus said, um, you cannot serve two masters. Do you remember that? You can't serve two masters. You can't go through life pulling your hair out about this, that, today, tomorrow, and the next future tragedy that could be coming down the pipe and also be devoted to God at the same time. It's an idol. Worry is creating an idol out of these needs in a place that doesn't have anybody else on your side to take care of it. And we just confessed last week the glorious God we have in Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the God who is on our side today, tomorrow, and forever. My dear brothers and sisters, this, this is a way that pulls our hearts from, away from worry. Jesus has another way to attack worry with a, a question He looks us in the eye. Can you see him on the hillside saying this in the Sermon on the Mount? He says, who of you, anybody here? One of those kind of questions. It's rhetorical. Don't worry. You don't have to wait. Raise your hand. Who of you by worrying has ever added a single hour to his life? Anybody done that? Oh yeah, we worried the other day and we lived longer because of it. Did anybody have that experience? Is it ever in your wheelhouse that when you're counseling somebody who's obviously pained by their current circumstances and the needs that they're well aware of, uh, financially or otherwise, has it ever become a part of your conversation where you say, you know what, we, we have this great trick in our house uh, when we were in that spot, and it's called worry. We worried about it, and it all went away. Like, that's what made it better. We worried. Yeah, you should go try worry because worry really benefits mankind. I mean, we don't ever recognize that as a thing. And Jesus has this way of just kind of patiently saying, you've noticed that worry is always this baseless fear that lives in a complete vacuum that has no God in it. And it's never that little idol of of worry where you're kind of doing something that you think is going to help. It's never given you anything. It's never made a difference in your life. It hasn't even added an hour to your life. It's just nothing. You just you look at it and it doesn't do anything. This is the way worry is. But you compare that to God and you see what God has done. And this is what makes the word so beautiful to us is we call it a love story. And it's a provider story, it's a redeeming story, it's a sanctifying story, it's a I'm keeping you, I'm keeping you, my focus is on you and I'm going to keep you, I love you, I'm going to keep you, you're mine forever. That's the kind of story that this is, that's a whole lot of giving and doing and serving and empowering and equipping and being with you, strengthening, right, in your life. That's 
very different. Has worry ever, let's kill the thorns before they squish the plant and choke the life out of it. Jesus has you take a look at the flowers of the field. We've been on plenty of nature hikes around the area. It's so beautiful to see the wildflowers pop up. There's not a single like ranger that's walked along the trails and said, ooh, I'm going to plant this wildflower here so people can enjoy it. Who planted that? God did. And did you, have you ever seen... Um, have you ever seen this happen where the, the grassy fields that produce these wildflowers, those grassy fields, they get out their sewing machines and they labor at the sewing machine and they spin their wool to make, you know, flower petals to, so they can look beautiful. Jesus says, look at the flowers of the field. They don't labor or spin, do they? <laughs> You've never seen them work hard to look pretty. And yet Solomon, in all his splendor, Solomon who had a snap-your-fingers kind of potential to wear whatever garb he wanted in whatever kind of satin or silk and gold lace this and that, he could have decked himself out in anything. He says Solomon was never dressed like one of those flowers. And you are much more to God than flowers, aren't you? See how he takes your hand and just gets your head nodding. Say, Lord, Jesus, you're a good teacher. You need to keep teaching my heart about life. What it is with you. What it is with God. So I don't look at these things with such a frenzy. He says, um, pagans run after these things. Because they're living in this wordless space, loveless space, storyless space. It doesn't have God in it. doesn't have Father. doesn't have Son. doesn't have Spirit. And you see the way they have to store up in barns. You know what the stock market says, that there's motivators for the stock market? And there's two kinds. They keep track of this. And there's a report. You can look it up, the daily report for what's driving the stock market today. There's a little wiggle room for the needle that's called neutral. But otherwise, there's two motivators for the stock market. It's fear or it's greed. When we're not afraid and we get all greedy. Fear and greed. That's it. Another way to say the whole the whole wheelhouse here is godless. It doesn't know a heavenly father is going to take care of me today, Right? We don't want to just bash that. We want to understand the need for them to under to get to know the Father's love, you know, and to communicate that. This is the joy that we have is not to live with that kind of wheel. That when life kind of turns scary, that you just turn on all the fear burners. And when life kind of gets less scary, that you turn on all the greed burners. There's a gratitude and contentment that covers all of your life because not one step, not one second, not one minute is lived without the God of perfect grace and perfect gifts to you. Jesus said the pagan, they run after all these things. But you... You run after the kingdom. You run after this story. That's how your heart, that little plant, is going to beat down all the thorns around it. You seek first this, the themes of the kingdom. What, what has God given? Well, how does God rule this heart? What are his blessings and gifts and his righteousness? How did we come to be righteous in your sight? Isn't that a story? Let's remember that one. That'll put to death a lot of worry 
worry thorns in your heart. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is a, a gentle, overflowing comforter. Just sit down on the hillside and soak it all in that we might be a resilient plant, that a plant that knows in the Lord and by his power and strength how to do some good weeding around it and say, you don't get to see the light around me, worry. I'm not spending time with you because I have a God. He's my son. I have a God. He feeds my roots. He makes it rain. He knows my needs and takes care of them. He takes care of me because I mean that much to him. God grant that kind of peace for you and comfort today. Amen.